This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, it's as always a very, very, very warm welcome to uh, Chelsea legend, uh, Mr. Kerry Dixon. How are you, my friend? Are you all right? I'm fine, thank you, Dave. Good stuff. Now, uh, uh, I know that um, you were hosting an event last night. I think I think you had the wonderful Pat Nevin and Spackers, Nigel Spackman with you, weren't you? You were covering the England game. Um, but before we talk about that, I think we just should, uh, you know, tie up the loose ends from the Stoke game on Saturday because the bottom line is, mate, I got that real sense, and I think the players and the manager did too, and the supporters that were there. That was a massive, massive three points. But do you think, do you think, in a sense, that they were making a statement with that win? Um, we've said about it on a few, on quite a few occasions now. You know, is it a statement that win? And we we sort of stressed that last week. I I, I went for um, Chelsea win stroke draw. Um, mm. Raw stroke Chelsea win was which was because that's how close I felt the game could be if uh, preparation. I'm not saying we were underprepared or would be or, or even thought that that might happen, but I knew Stoke would be up for the game at home, and I knew with all the connections, Eddie, um, Sparky, and so on, you know, it, it would just add that little bit uh, with Chelsea potential champions. There's it, it just a little edge about the game, and and it sure enough come across, and you know, and you looked at the game. Um, and, and, and you listen to people making comments during the game about, about it's tight and so on. It could go this way, that way, and so on. And Stoke having to go, but you know, it, it was a great three points. I, I said that if we, you know, I would have taken one, um, but it was a great three points. Um, no more a statement than any other. They're not title rivals. It's just one of them places, Stoke, that you. Lots of teams at the top will trip up now and again, and people will drop points. And you just sense that all the other teams went when Chelsea managed to get a win there. And it was a big um, sort of kick in the ribs to them that um, we come away from there with three points because people will start to look at the games left now and and run the clock down, if you like. And and it, it really is a case of, you know, big three points. You know, now it's a case of Palace at home. Come on, let's not mess it up. 
um, and, and so on. Um, the home games should virtually take us there as far as I'm concerned. Palace, City coming up, which many people are already billing as a title decider. Um, and it might well look that way if we take the three against Palace. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But if we take the three against Palace and were to beat City, if we're not already in a strong position, it would be virtually virtually there. But um, uh, I'm two weeks ahead of myself and there's a couple of shows hopefully to go before then. So let's stick to the current uh, climate. Yeah. And uh, yes, it was a great, great win over Stoke. I think I think yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I think I think that you know that that point you made there about the fact that it would have deflated a lot of our rivals is absolutely spot on, because I think you're right. I think I mean we were a bit worried about it, weren't we? I mean we, we we're usually very positive and 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 saying that Chelsea are going to be win by a few goals, but we both had a feeling it might be tough. So you know I think a lot of people might have expected us to slip up there, and I think a that's probably why. The, the the you know the the manager and the players were clearly so pumped up at the end, but the other thing of course is that you know I, we we also expected it to be quite a hard physical test and there's no doubt that that Husey and his team you know sat about Chelsea and tried to kick him off the game. Now look, I've got no problem with that. I mean, I, I grew up watching football in the 70s and the 80s when it was a very different game. I don't have a problem with that, uh, and I think it's up to the to Chelsea to stand up to it and for the referee to deal with it. Um, so, you know, do you think, I mean, particularly, I think when you look at Costa, actually, and how he dealt with it, do you think that they dealt with that the right way? Very well. Um, Diego Costa um, will know all about the Premier League by now. Um, I think um, third season in, I think he's going to know what it's all about. He'll know certain games which are going to be tough. He'll know certain players. And, you know, he handles it very well. First season, he arguably would have got sent off in that game. You know, retaliation or a bit of physical got drawn in. Um, but he, he tends not to do it. He stays within the law now, um, the law that is at the moment. And you're quite right, the 70s and the 80s were a whole new ball game. But, you know, some sometimes uh, you get an old throwback to that um, sort of scenario. And Stoke often, um, not, not going to knock them, they play within the realms of what the laws of the game are. Um, but a lot of the time, on a lot of occasions, against certain teams, they go very close to the mark. And, um, you know, Chelsea have to ex- expect that sort of situation from certain teams who, let's face it, are not quite able to match them in terms of skill and ability and in terms of world-class players, but who are quite prepared to roll the sleeves up and match them in terms of effort or try and better them in terms of physical approach. And Chelsea have to be ready for all all the... Uh, attempts to try and derail them from where they're trying to go. That's an interesting point, though, actually. It just made me think. I mean, you know, you're right. Well, it was a very different game, wasn't it, you know, when you played? I mean, I would imagine, I mean, were you ever targeted physically? Because, I mean, we did have some hairy-ass centre, centre-backs in that day. So, I mean, were you ever targeted and, and tried to be kicked out of it? And, and how did you react? I don't know about targeted. I mean... You know, certain centre-halves were a lot more physical than others. I mean, I, I remember the old Wimbledon team, um, but they were, they had some quite decent players in it, but they were physical all over the, all over yeah. the pitch. Um, they were the worst team I played against, the most physical. Uh, but, you know, you, got, you had your Shorten and Briggs at Oxford who were very physical centre-halves. Um, you know, Razor Ruddock um, mm. was, was a physical lad. Um, you know, he was a good player as well, um, but he was a physical boy. And then, you know, you had the likes of Alan McDonald, Terry Fennick at Queen's Park Rangers. You know, there was a lot of physical centre-halves. And, of course, then you had your, your ball-playing centre-halves. Um, when you say targeted, um, every centre-half tried to stop you in the way that mm. um, they saw best, whether it 
be by ability. You know, you look at your Hansons and your Lawrences, um, you know, they certainly weren't kickers, but um, they had good ability. Um, and then you look at your, your mixtures of Steve Bruce, Gary Pallister and people like that. I wouldn't say targeted. They all tried to do their job. And I think it'd be pretty much the same these days. They do their job and they're up against a direct opponent um, who they might feel might have an edge on them in certain departments. So they, they try and utilize what they consider their own strengths. And if it be a physical one, then why not try and intimidate the person so that they don't get to use their own um, assets, which will make the, the centre-half have a poor game. So everyone does what they do. To The old saying in football, win your own personal battle, and then if you're on top in that particular one, then try and help someone else out. But if you can't win your own personal battle, then that's where the team will start to suffer, will start to suffer a little bit. Managers see that, and that's why players get replaced. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant point, mate, actually. I, I, that's a really good analysis. I mean, there's that lovely phrase that I always remember, uh, you know, about, you know, when, when you, you know, you've got an opponent on the pitch, let, let them know you're there is the wonderful euphemism for it. Or is that my other favourite one is what Tommy Doherty said to Ron, Ron Chopper-Harris, get your late tackles in early, Ron. Yeah, um, all that sort of situation. I mean, people you certainly fall backs and wingers. You know, if a winger, a fullback isn't going to sort of get a roast in left, right, and centre. And you know, people say, "Well, put him in the stand, take a booking, let him know that you know mm. whatever." And then the winger's thinking, "If I can get him booked, uh, and then he's yeah. right on the tightrope. If I can get him booked again, I'll send off." It's all about mentally trying to win your own personal battle against your yeah. direct opponent on the pitch. And um, yeah, there's many of them, and people have to do that in whichever way they can. Yeah, and I I think they handled it really well. I mean, actually, Costa particularly because I think I think you know they all thought they could get him sent off, and you know, I mean, his booking was for dissent, which you know is arguable. You know, I mean, he might have been unlucky to get that. I was really pleased actually. I thought he, I thought he put in a great team performance actually, and I, there's somebody else I think is also you know worthy of some some praise and. Um, for for some bizarre reason, he, he he takes a lot of stick from Chelsea supporters. Would you believe? And I, and it's very undeserved. And that's Gary Cahill. Um, and I, I wrote a blog this week, actually, kind of you know supporting and defending him because I, I think he's a super lad, and I I think he's a bit of a throwback too. You know, proper English centre half. And I think he's got a big heart, and I think he really showed it against Stoke Kerry. Yep, I think Gary Cahill has uh, stepped up to the plate very well indeed. Um, I don't see how anyone could be giving any Chelsea player stick at the moment. Yeah, Goodness quite. me, it's that's like the it's like the world we live in. You know, it's all very yeah, well being yeah. controversial, but you know the, the old world where someone's got to someone's got to get given some stick for some reason. It, you know, like in the in the days of when you play for England, England might win two 0 but um, first is all first pages are all about the game. Next day is all about well, he didn't play so well. He didn't and he didn't do this. He didn't do that. I pick out two or three players. Like you used to hear John Barnes never played a good game for England. It was always the second page down. But the fact he played about in 90 games and, you know, someone thought he was doing all right somewhere. But, you know, mm. the newspapers seem to have a downer on, on, on the likes yeah. of him. And, you know, and Gary Cale is following in the footsteps, of course, of yeah. John Terry. Um, yeah. Played alongside John. But he's, he, he's, he's become pretty much the main figurehead, although David Luiz has come in. Gary Cahill is the one that seems to be looked at a lot more. Um, and I have to say, I think he's done a wonderful job. I don't think, while I'm saying that, he's a John Terry. I don't think that, you know, English football is, is going to create a John Terry for a long, long time. I think that John um, was the next one for me after Tony Adams. And, and before that, arguably, Roy McFarlane stroked by more. Um, you know, and, and all right, Rio Ferdinand was alongside... Um, 
JT in what they call the golden generation of, of England centre half or England team um, with Frank and Gerard and people like that. But you know these people come along once in a lifetime, and you know we've got a Chelsea team at the moment. Gary Cahill is very much part of that. Um, he should not be getting any stick, that's for sure. Um, but you're not going to see the likes of a John Terry for quite a while, I think, anywhere. I'm delighted. I'm really delighted to hear you make that point, not least because I actually made the same one in the blog. I mean, the bottom line is, I think Gary Cahill's biggest crime is he's not John Terry. But then who the hell is John Terry apart well, from the man himself, you know? And as you said, there's, there's well, only, I mean, you know, he's a once in a lifetime player, John Terry. He's that unique and that good, I think. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's very hard to try and follow that. But I think Gary Cahill's done a wonderful job, yeah, um, you know, along, alongside the likes of Louise and, uh, and Azpilicueta. You know, they, they've done the job. And, you know, Chelsea look like going to be champions in that situation. And how can you be given any stick? Any, any part of it? How can you give Alonso? Moses? You know, people are, how can they be given stick? They're all part of a, a wonderful team uh, ethic this year. Um which might not be the same next year. Um, it, it, it might be totally different. The shape might be different. You know, just because it worked this year doesn't mean to say that that's a blueprint for success for the rest of for the rest of time. It changes. Mm. Um, but this year, there's no stick given out, and everyone's part of it. Yeah, excellent stuff. All right, mate. Well, look. Well, as I said, we, we mentioned the England game up at the top, and of course, Gary Cahill was uh, was captaining England last night against Germany. Um, I mean, I know you, you hosted what looked like a fabulous evening at Planet Hollywood with the uh, wonderful Pat Nevin and, uh, and 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 Nigel Spackman, who was at your do that I went to on Friday, which was also fantastic. Um, great idea, those. Um, so how, how was the do, and then what did, what did you think of England's performance? I mean, myself, I thought they played all right, actually. And funnily enough, we were talking about players and teams getting stick. I think that they've got a lot of stick this morning, which is undeserved. I thought they played really well. Well, listen, every time an England team don't win a game, they get stick. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if they draw certain games, and if they draw certain games, they get stick. Um, it, it sort of goes with the territory. Um, I've, I've been part of that. Um, and I've seen it here on in and ever since my time at football. Tomorrow in the in the Nationals and so on, it'll be which one's done any good, which one did a little bit better, who didn't do so well, and, and, and they'll dissect the team and, and, and slaughter each individual as it goes. Um, that's, the, that's the way of the world and it's the way we live in the controversial world that has to be classed as good television, good radio or good newspaper um, uh, reading or reporting um, for me it's crass and cheap but it's what they do um, mm. and, and that, that's the way it is and um, and that's it You know, people don't want to read about the good things it wasn't a bad result uh, but then people will give me stick for saying a loss to Germany any loss is not a good result and I hear that you know, you can't say a loss is good. Um, we, the young lad uh, playing Keane, playing alongside Kale, did okay. I thought Didn't England he? looked the better side, better side in the first half. Um, <clears throat> you know, Germany got a goal. You look at the players, Podolski, and then you look Emre Chan. You know. This is not a, a German side, or it, it didn't appear to be, um, one that's going to rule the world as such, you know, dominant world champions or whatever. Um, it's a normal, solid German outfit. Um, and we had a young England team that's trying to make its way. I still don't think um, it's the finished article in terms of world champions or European champions or whatever in that respect, the England team. But they're having a go. And it wasn't a bad performance. I thought they did okay within the realms of a performance. In terms of a result, any loss is never going to be a good result. Um, but 
as a performance, there were some good performances within that. And, you know, um, I, I thought it was an okay performance. Doesn't deserve massive stick. It wasn't a hiding. Um, they did okay. It wasn't bad. Um, in terms of the, the event itself, which I attended last night, the Westminster tragedy uh, marred that. It stopped a few mm. people from coming, I'm sure. Uh, and the event ended early because of it. Um, mm. Um, so, so you know, in that respect, um, the tragedy will come before any thoughts about anything else, yeah. and all thoughts go out to the people who suffered losses and casualties in in that horrific incident. And you know that that pretty much dominated the evening. So um, that's that's still the case, and that, and that always will be another tragedy um, in our history um, that actually marred that event. But um, just going uh, back to the England. Um, game itself I don't think it was uh, support I don't think it was a great result but I think it wasn't bad mm. you know I, I well I agree entirely I thought actually they looked like they were going in the right direction I quite like that I, they looked good playing three at the back I thought which uh, I wonder where they nicked that idea from um, but um, I think more importantly you're right <laughs> yeah I think more importantly Kerry you're right I think you know that sometimes you know there, there are bigger things to think about than football and, and that uh, I mean I, I know a lot of people who, who work in and around Westminster so it was a worrying time and uh, absolutely echo your sentiments condolences to, to anybody who lost their life and their families and uh, a very tragic event um, okay well look that kind of wraps up our, our kind of football chat about the uh, the games uh, Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, because we don't have a game coming up this weekend, because of the England game coming up, funnily enough, 
Um, I thought it'd be a really nice idea to get a few people who who follow us on Twitter and, and Facebook to, to get the opportunity to ask you a question rather than listening to me waffle on asking you a question. So in a sense, I'm going to hand it over to them, Kerry, if you don't mind. Um, unfortunately, no they have to use me. They have to use me as the mouthpiece, but I will I will read out their name. So anyway, uh, I'm going to dive straight in, mate. There's a really good selection here, actually, which uh, I, I'm never surprised at by Chelsea fans. But we got one from Gareth Hemmings, who says, "How did uh, how did you feel in the ninety? Uh, I think it was the ninety four Cup semi final playing against us." And, he, and Gareth says it was a standout game for me, or uh, sorry, a standout game for me was Barnsley when we won five three, and and you scored four. This is, I think, another time, obviously. Uh, and did you feel the need to score five to match jukebox jury who got five at Walsall? So two questions, I think. One about the, the yeah. 94 Cup semi-final playing against us and the other about playing against Barnsley and scoring four. Yeah, uh, it was the most amazing. The semi-final was the most amazing memory I will ever have in football other than, you know, standing with, getting an England cap and listening to the national anthem. Um, the Chelsea fans made it an absolute special day for me, something I'll never forget. Um, to actually lose uh, FA Cup semi-final at Wembley and to walk off the field and actually feel so proud is something that you know obviously still lives with me and always will. Chelsea fans were special then; they always are, and they made it a special moment for me. Um, scoring the four, yeah, Barnsley, I remember it well. Um, one of them was a very good left-footed goal, which quite a few people have said was my best ever goal. Um, it was a decent enough strike. Um, I was, I'm happy to score goals any time. Four is, is a great achievement. But yes, a little a little rankle. Uh, jukebox got his five. I was there. I wasn't playing in the game. Um, away at Walsall. Watched it. And he, did, he, he was wonderful on the day, Gordon. Um, mm. But yeah, I wish I'd have scored five. Um, just to at least uh, rival him. But I'm quite happy with 193. Don't worry about that. Yeah, good man. Actually, you know, Gordon Drew was a, was a good striker on his day. And actually, that, that fits in very well. We've got a lovely uh, a tweet from Pete, or at Pete Fabulous. He says, who was your best partner, Speedy or Jukebox? Yeah, it'll go down at Speedo. Um, Jukebox mm. was an absolutely good player, um, what I've said about him. Um, good striker. But there was a three of us at the time. Kevin Wilson sort of fitted into that um, uh, three uh, striking three, if you like, as well. And Kevin was a decent finisher. Um, so the three of us, you know, sort of, I was pretty much central and these two played all around uh, slightly wider here or there. But on occasions, I found myself on uh, out wide and uh, either of them two would take up the striker's mantle down the centre. So, you know, uh, plenty of good strikers I played alongside, but David Speedy is uh, the best strike partner I've probably ever played alongside uh, in terms of compatibility to myself. Um, what he could do well, I couldn't do so well, and what I could do well, vice versa. Um, so, you know, we we very compatible, and um, it would have to be speeder. Mm, no, well, I, I I would agree from that from the other side of the fence, as it were. But I thought you were an excellent fit, and as you said, you know, very complimentary in terms of strikers. Uh, right, we've got one from Diana Jupe, uh, who is a lovely lady who runs the Blue Bloods uh, Facebook group, and she says. What was your most memorable moment as a player? And kind of a second part of it is, are you playing at the Chelsea versus Rangers Legends charity match uh, for the Croydon Tram crash survivors? Yeah. Um, most Best moment as a player, I've already just touched on it a little bit, um, scoring the first goal for England, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. I, I, I believe in, as a kid, you grow up, you want to play to the highest possible level. 
um, to play for England, standing there in the national anthem, made me so proud um, to, to to represent your country. And of course, on the full debut against the Germans, to get get a goal was an incredible feeling. And then a captain to get two and and a win made it even better. But um, to score for England, it has to be. Um, sorry about that. In terms of Chelsea, I mean, there's so many moments for Chelsea, um, and probably everyone knows most of them uh, for, for everyone I've spoke to. But um, Yes, I will be playing in the Legends game. I think it's a wonderful uh, charity, a wonderful cause um, for to be for money to be donated um, to the Croydon crash disaster. And you know, uh, absolutely, um, there's a lot of good names coming down. This, the the Rangers team are very strong, by the way. I have to say, mm. but um, I know they're, they're putting together a decent selection of Chelsea former players. I dare say my role will be a cameo one because I, I can't compete with some of the young, some of the younger legs that uh, will be flying around that day. But uh, nevertheless, I will be out there doing my bit, and I'm already in training. Good man. Um, I think I, I I could be wrong because I, I, there may be more than one event. But I think isn't Ray Wilkins involved with that? And, and Canners probably will be playing as well. Uh, there's a few others I think too. Tor, I, can't I think without mentioning names, I think Tor Andre Flo. I think there's, yes, there's, there's, there's yes. quite a few players being being talked about um, in terms of uh, maybes. Um, but, you know, it will be a decent selection of Chelsea players. And I know the Rangers team is very strong because I played with them in Lanzarote recently. And uh, right. believe me, they're very strong. Blimey. Well, I think it's down in Sutton, isn't it? I, and it's, it's I, I think Gordon I think. Jury, by the way, I think Gordon Jury, by the way, might well be in the Rangers team. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I might have seen that, mate. I mean, I, I obviously Diana knows about it, but I've seen a lot of stuff about it, and I think it's it's a cracking cracking uh, do by the looks of it. Right, uh, back up to the old questions. Um, right, this is from Peter, who's on Twitter at Peter B nine two nine two. He says, "What would you say your favourite memory as a youth footballer was?" That's an interesting question. As a youth, um, my resounding memories are not favourable, I'm afraid. Um, uh, I, I was a youth. At- Luton and I got kicked out at 16 told I weren't good enough by David Pleat um, I went to Tottenham at 18 and got told I wasn't going to be good enough and got uh, kicked out of there after finishing top score in the South East Counties for Spurs um, so you know youth football wasn't great but uh, you know I went for two trials one time one for Leeds and one for Birmingham in both games I scored uh, they were trial games in both games I scored five we won five nil and uh, never got selected for Leeds or Birmingham either. So, you know, youth football didn't didn't go down so great for me. I was still doing my apprenticeship and um, as a toolmaker. Greatest memory uh, as a youth, scoring uh, two in a 4-1 win over Spurs, uh, for Spurs um, to win... I think it was the FA Youth Cup, or it was to win a to win a trophy to actually achieve and uh, be given a. It wasn't an apprenticeship; it was a part-time pro years contract, which I served and mm-hmm. didn't manage to get through. But there wasn't many great memories in terms of youth football. It seemed to be an uphill battle for me, and uh, something I overcome, but not as a youth. I mean, it's real. You know, I kind of asked my own question, really, because it's an interesting point, isn't it? And you know, there's a there's always a huge raging debate with Chelsea supporters these days about you know the youth not getting a chance, never see, well, having a lot of very talented youth players, but they never seem to get a chance. And and I think it's that's an interesting point because I mean, I mean, I, you know, when when did, when did you how old were you when you signed for Chelsea? Remember, uh, remind me, Kerry. 
Yeah, I was 23. 23. So, I yeah. For, I, mean, Red, I signed for Reading. I signed for Reading at 20. Um, yeah. After being picked out, Luton, Spurs, went to Dunstable, top scored non-league. And Reading took me from there. I was still part-timer, uh, finishing off my apprenticeship. Mm. Um, so, <clears> you know, uh, it, but, but if anything, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a G-up for all the youth players. Um, take all the knockbacks in your stride. Um, mm. Be prepared to, for people to say no. Get yourself out there, believe in yourself. And, you know, someone will give you a chance. And if you've got the ability, it will come through. Um, yeah. That, that's what will happen. Um, I would tell that, and that'd be my message to every youth player. You're starting to see yeah. Chelsea products um, in different clubs. You know, you look at Ryan Bertrand. You know, yeah, yeah, had to absolutely. leave the club really. All right, you say didn't make it Chelsea. Well, he obviously did. To, uh, <laughs> you know, um, to, to, to to do what he did, but he's now applying his trade. But he's still an international and so on. Um, he's just one. But there's numerous Chelsea ex youth players springing up all over the place, people have come through the academy and proven that they can still have a career in football. So there is life after youth football, but it's all part of a learning curve. There is indeed. That's a very good question. Um, All right, we've got another good question uh, from Chris Dean. He says, if Kerry was born in a different era and was playing today, how does he think he would fare and how much would he be worth? Uh That's a good question. Uh, Yeah, a worth is always decided by the person buying and the person selling. Um, that's whatever it is, you know. The worth to a player um, is what he decides on his negotiations. Um, how would I fare? People often say that, you know, and I always answer the question rather than say about myself. Um, people say, could you play in today's football, for example? And I often think, well, of course you could, uh, because that's the way I am. I was a confident person and still believe in myself and what I could do. That's not because... Um, it's a, a big-headed belief or anything like that. But I asked you um, of the strikers that were around at the time, you know, Ian Wright, uh, Mark Bright, Gary Lineker, Peter Beardsley, um, Tony Woodcock, Paul Mariner, Trevor Francis. Could they play today? Would they get in the England squad? Just just straight off my head, I'd say all of them would. And yet they all mm. got England caps all in and around the England squad. And if they were about at their peak today, would they get in? Well, of course they would. Yeah. But if they can, I played alongside them, so I'd like to think that I can. So um, I think there's a dearth at the moment when you look at England and you look at striking department. Not since Michael Owen, you had the Teddy Sheringham, Alan Shearers, the people who are worth their salt in in the times that um, they played in. Wayne Rooney, of course, become the, the best ever goal scorer for England. Um, but generally, I think there's a dearth of talent. Harry Kane is the latest big name that's going to go on, I believe, and play a lot of games for England. Um, but yes, to answer the question and stop the ramble, um, I believe I could play today. <laughs> well, I, cause, I mean, one, one thing I've learned about you, Kerry, actually, for somebody who, who was as good as you were, you, you're an incredibly humble man. So I, I will say what perhaps you feel uncomfortable saying. And I, I think the thing that rings in my ears is, is what I saw in the film, your, your film that I saw last Friday. And there was that lovely bit uh, in there that Pat Nevin said, and I, I really respect Pat. I think he's one of the best uh, analysts and pundits in the media, and it, it sickens me that he, he doesn't get used as much as he should. But he said, the thing about you, Kerry, he says, when you were in the box and there was a chance of a goal, you were absolutely world-class. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think, you know, 
you know, at the end of the day, no matter how much we, we, we sit here and we talk about positions and systems and all the, all the rest, the thing that wins football matches is people who score goals. And that's why they get paid so much money. And that's why they get sold for so much. So I think in today's game, A, you know, you were a goal scorer and you'd be worth your weight in gold. And I think that they would be paying a lot of money for you, mate. So there we go. I've, uh, I, I've said it to, to, to avoid you being uncomfortable about saying it. Anyway, we should move on. We've got a couple of quickies just to get through. Um, the first one, uh, Roger Goodman, which is a very interesting question, actually. He says, who controls the dressing room before a match? Is it the coach or is it the captain who must translate the coach's knees to the team? Without doubt, the manager or coach, you can call them whatever you want. Um, but the bottom line is you control yourself. Um, you listen and give respect to the manager. You you make sure that any points that he's spotted that you need to know um, are taken in. And you and if you're in a defensive wall or you've got to be back to mark a certain player or you've got to do a job on a near post defensively or you've got to do whatever job specifically for the team, you get back and do that. But in terms of what you do, um, you control yourself. Um, you, you do yourself up. You get yourself mentally right. You prepare right. And you get ready for the game in, in the manner that you believe can give you the best opportunity to show people what you can do and, and to do yourself proud. Um, you want to do well when you go out there. So it's no good messing around or whatever. But, you know, people say, what about uh, music and so on in the dressing room? And the manager only spends about five, ten minutes just beforehand. He might go around generally geared up individuals, speaking to one or, one or two here or there. Um but by and large, he has a five to ten minute speech about tactics, about defensive walls, I would imagine, and, and what to do. Um, you don't sit there for an hour before a game listening to the manager. Um, that's not the case. You get yourself ready. You get yourself changed. Who controls it? You control it yourself. Give um, yourself up. At the end of the day, there's only one person. The manager is not like a puppeteer who pulls the strings, tells you where to go, what to do. Too much credit is given, I believe, to managers about how they set the team up, what they did. I believe if the player isn't good enough, it will show. If the player is good enough, it will show. And it's up to the player to go out there and do the best he can. And, uh, you know, the manager can only take you off, put you on or pick you, as far as I'm concerned, and set out defensive strategies. Um, certain managers can make substitutions in games. Many fans will believe, I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have took him off, should have brought that on, and so on. Everyone's got an opinion. But that's what the manager's there for. But in terms of controlling... The manager's given respect, but he doesn't control anyone. You control yourself. Mm. It's a very, it's a very, very enlightening point. Actually, I, one, I remember I interviewed Ali Brown from you know the old West Brom player once. Very lovely bloke, actually. And he talked about Ron Atkinson when he was managing West Brom. And apparently the players, as they were running out, Ron would be standing beside them and he'd punch them. It, it, it out of nowhere would punch them in the stomach. <laughs> and when questioned about it, I, I interviewed Ron later, and I, I said, "Well, you know, what was all about this?" He said, "Well, it worked, didn't it?" <laughs> so, you know, whatever works, well, probably, people, it was, probably did. It probably did. Yeah, they were a good side, weren't they? Anyway, um, right. Last question, Kerry. This is from the lovely Brenda Darcy, who uh, I think she she does a lot of good work with the Atlanta Blues in the states. Uh, was, was it the Boston Blues? Anyway, she'll she'll remind me when I've got it wrong. But she's a lovely lady. Um, she says, right, talking to managers, what was Kerry's favourite manager to play for? What other Chelsea player did he enjoy playing with the most? And what's your best England memory? Well, I've thought about Speedo. You know, I've, I've spoke about Speedo. Um, of uh, in terms of managers, John Neal was the best. He signed mm. me. And I believe his manager managerial career was cut short sadly because of yeah. 
obviously his heart problems. Um, he was the best manager I played under. Wasn't one of these crowd surfed, slid down the touchline, punch here, jumping, doing arguing with the opposite manager. He just told you what you needed to do. Had belief in you. Told you what he thought would happen. Saw his visions of the game, how it would be played, and left you by and large to do what you could do. And that's why he's got you at the club. Um, would have gone on, I believe, to create a wonderful side. Um, he created one wonderful side. Sadly, he couldn't develop it and make it a, in, into a great side. But he was the best. Um, Bobby Campbell was a good manager. You know, picked up the pieces um, of a relegation season and come back, come storming back um, to win the second division and then finish fifth in the first division um, with pretty much the same side. Um, decent manager, Bobby Campbell. Um, Bobby Robson gave me my England caps. Wonderful manager. Graham Taylor was a good manager. Didn't uh, want, wanted me all the time, but the t- time he did get me, he told me I was too old. I wish he had it, and he wishes he had me <laughs> about twenty years earlier. Um, but he was a decent manager, and of course David Pleat took me back to Luton after many years of kicking me out at sixteen. Told me I weren't going to be good enough. Had uh, he brought me back and give me two and a half years at Luton? So that's pretty much my list of uh, managers who I hold in high regard. John Neil, the favourite though. Of course. Yeah, uh, lovely man, wasn't he? Mate, I think that's fantastic. I think we, we already talked about your best England memory, which is the, 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 the debut goal, really, wasn't it? Had to be, you know. Yeah. Panini stickers here on in, so on. Absolutely. You know, national anthem. Hairs on the back of your neck. Uh, kid grew up in where he grew up, was playing for England, standing in the line hearing the national anthem. So, Wonderful. Excellent stuff. Well, you know, thank you for your wonderful full answers to those questions. And thanks to everybody for sending them in. It's quite nice to do a different type of show once in a while where we get Kerry to, to talk about uh, his career in a little bit more detail rather than the current games. Um, but uh, I just want to say thanks, as always, Kerry, for another great show. And uh, we'll be hooking up again next week. No problem at all, Dave. Absolute pleasure. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.